Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Hello and welcome to This Is HCD. My name is Jeremy Scullion and I'm a designer, educator and the host of This Is HCD based in the wonderful city of Dublin, Ireland. Our goal here is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. Now, I caught up with Emma Carpenter, Head of Design Experience and previously Group Director at Fjord Johannesburg Associate Director at Accenture Song. Emma had been introduced to me several months ago as I was keen to speak to somebody in the consulting space in Africa to really get a better understanding of the social and technical implications for designing services in Africa. Now I'm aware of the blind spot in this conversation of two white practitioners of Anglo origins talking about design in Africa. But nevertheless, I found speaking to Emma to be absolutely brilliant. They cover off some of the cultural implications around phone data and how this perceived restriction drives potentially a more inclusive service. We chat about how Western mindsets and tech organisations design for Western behaviours and how this inadvertently results in a global information exclusion to African natives who favour less data-intense services, which are more likely to be localised I know you're going to really enjoy this episode. Emma is fantastic. But before we jump in, if you like what we're doing here at This Is CD, please help us out by leaving a review wherever you listen to the podcast, whether that be an Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. It only takes a couple of minutes and it really, really helps the findability of the podcast for other change makers around the world. And if you share it out to your friends as well, it really helps go, go an awful long way for me personally. Or you can go one better by becoming a, a patron of the podcast. You can get an ad-free stream of the podcast for as little as €1.66 per month. And you also get a shout-out as thanks from me personally as well. And there's other plans there where you can get exclusive and super, super cool items too, like an embroidered t-shirt and a really beautiful eco-friendly hoodie. And literally all the money goes directly towards editing, hosting and maintaining our website, which is a repository for human-centered design goodness. With now over 240 episodes, folks. Let's jump straight in. Emma, it's great to have you here. Um, maybe start off and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. I know people are going to get a little bit confused with your accent because it's British and it's also South African, but maybe talk about a little bit where you're from and what you're doing currently. Yes, thanks very much, Jerry. Um, so, yes, as, as you pointed out, Jerry, I do have a bit of a blend of an accent. Um, I've lived for lived and worked in Cape Town in South Africa for the last 15 years, and before that, um, I've well grew up in the UK. Yeah. So interestingly enough, had the opportunity to be a designer in two different continents. So first seven or eight years, I worked in the UK in London for different agencies, and then the last um, 16, 17 years, I've been working um, in South Africa. Wow. So that's a that's a nice juxtaposition between um, mindsets, which I'm, I'd love to get into a little bit more around that transition 
into working within um, the African continent and how, how design differs a little bit more. Um, but tell us, you're at Accenture, um, you know, a small little consultancy in the world, uh, only joking, an absolute behemoth. Tell us what you're doing um, at the moment, because you, you were with formerly Fjord um, and now Accenture Song, is that correct? So about 12 months ago, we had a consolidation of our acquisitions and agency partners within um, Accenture. And our um, sort of senior boss, David Droger, um, put those together under Accenture Song. And so Fjord, um, obviously, as a very well-known design innovation practice, now falls into Song, which gives us a really nice blend of design, um, analytics, data, um, development capabilities, as well as all the really great marketing capabilities in in the advertising teams that we also have. So let's jump straight into one of the topics that I wanted to cover off, and that was the the differences. Like when we were doing our pre-chat, we were talking about, you know, my poor Western mindset in terms of understanding what it was like to design services in the African continent. And one of the bits that we were kind of talking a little bit more around is data. And, you know, I'm from a mindset of I've got infinite data. I walk around, I get 4G, 5G most of the times in Ireland or from in Europe. How does this differ in um, in South Africa in particular? And what does that look like from the customer's perspective as regards how they actually use data? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I think the way... And I, by no means, am a, am a telco expert. But we, whilst we do have data plans from from our communications companies that do give us unlimited data, they're very, very expensive. Our sort of what I like to call the everyday man on the street or the everyday lady on the street, um, data is a very big uh, consideration. So, what that means is, you know, if you are looking at large um, bundles to buy, or if um, people are looking to potentially buy um, contracts that are uncapped. They have to base that against or reference that against the other things that are in their life, like feeding their families. Um, unlimited data is not necessarily as, in, as important there. That, that would obviously have a massive impact on the customer experience, especially the digital customer experience um, and access to other services that might be created out of, say, the US or Silicon Valley in particular. A lot of those tech businesses will, you know, have high resolution images. Yeah. What, how, how does this really affect um, access to global information? Um, across those services does it just mean that they're localized uh, and the localized version is what gets um gets used primarily yes i mean so yeah i think you've got a good point there local is definitely better um you know any services that can be slightly cheaper less heavy on the data um as we spoke about a number of our um banking and also telco clients um, in effect, those that aren't clients as well will zero rate their websites and their experiences to make that um, cheap because, as we've said um, before, people are very savvy in terms of understanding what things cost. They're not necessarily going to watch video or sort of the immersive experiences if they know that that is going to be very difficult for them or they're not going to get through the month on the data that they've got in their package. So. Interestingly enough, um, it's a debate that we've been having um, recently with the 
Accenture Life Trends um, that came out uh, just before Christmas. And the one that was interesting was really around um, sort of what's next for um, loyalty. We're also looking at more immersive experiences around loyalty and communities um, that obviously ties into the metaverse. And I think in South Africa, whilst there's been some great inroads and some innovation around the metaverse, it's not being picked up as much. And I'd say that's not because people aren't interested. Mm. It's because you can't, they can't control the data that's being used whilst they're in these, these new um, sort of experiences. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I was at a conference with Jerry McGovern, actually. I don't know if you know Jerry. Um, a number of years ago in Belfast called Pixel Pioneers. And there was a fantastic speaker from Nigeria called Ayer Aid or Inacom, I think is their name. And they're a front-end developer. And I remember their talk um i think it was the next billion users and it was primarily around african um usage of the internet and they they explained what it was like um for mothers in uh western africa that they would sit around and they would discuss which websites to go to uh to purchase things um as opposed to just us naturally just consuming um you know in in western world i'm talking about just naturally just go to the website with the best deal they were they were talking about the websites with the lowest amount of data because the data cap was so expensive and there was as you said a decision there made between data versus feeding uh, their family so how does this transfer itself into the business processes uh within accenture as regards how we get stuff done that meets the the criteria for, for the businesses. Do you have strict guidelines as regards what's uh, possible from a technology perspective to, to be delivered to the customer? No, I'm not necessarily. I think, you know, we're looking at design innovation, you know, and technology innovation first. Mm. We're looking at obviously the business objectives, what the, the, the clients need to con, you know consider and also achieve. Um, and so, we're going to put that experience first. We're going to, you know, really look at what's best for the customer yeah. first, but we're going to be very cognizant of it at the same time. Mm. So it's not like we have a playbook or a rule book of, you know, pages or apps should only be X size to download. We'll just keep them as tidy and as neat as possible, I think is what, what we would say. Um, the other thing um, that's just struck me because we're also used to it here specifically in South Africa is, um, our issue with our energy provider in terms of what we call load shedding, which is power outages, um, in order to keep the national grid going, there's certain times of the day the power will be out and you get a schedule and you kind of know when that's going to happen. So the other thing that we also have to be mindful of as designers is providing an experience that's not going to actually cut out. So yes you'll have your phone charged but if the tower so we're now looking at infrastructure doesn't have a generator that's running you're not going to be able to connect to that experience um if if the if the cell phone tower goes down so i'm noticing a lot of our colleagues at work clients as well um will reschedule calls around load shedding schedules um to ensure that our colleagues aren't dropping off Cool. So even if your phone is charged, even if you've got data, you can't control what's happening with the Marston Tower infrastructure sometimes as well. So that's also a consideration. So if we're designing a form or a long process, so, you know, if you imagine 
being at a bank and you're doing an onboarding exercise and you're wanting to take out a new account, then you've got to really consider how long is that going to take? Because the frustration, obviously, as a customer, if you get halfway through that form and then everything drops and then you've lost everything, is also quite intense. There's two things here, like I'm hearing. One, um, it forces you to really, those restrictions can actually work in your favor sometimes to deliver more of an, an inclusive service. Um, especially if you're, um, if you're, if you're, there's a reliance on digital all the time, which, which, you know, we've all fallen into the trap of like, just, just throw technology at the problem. Um, is there, is it fair to say that sometimes the fallback of paper-based services and the paper-based, um, information exchange is kind of more proliferated in that sense? So that's actually a really interesting question, Jerry, and sort of brought to mind another story. We also do some government work and the colleagues that run those uh, those those clients or in, um, government clients for us are very cognizant of the requirement that the governments give us, which is not just having digital experiences, but also having the opportunity for an experience that's offline as well. Mm. So as designers, we want to make things efficient. We want to have everything at the thing, you know, at, you know, be able to touch everything very quickly on your phone. But there's many people that don't have that opportunity. There's many people that will get in a queue and drive to a government office and do everything that they need to in front of a person. And the government makes them, wants to make sure that we're not excluding those people. Mm. So we still have to design for queuing. We still have to design for paper-based processes. We still have to consider what the experience is when somebody is standing outside an office in a long queue um, what they're going to be doing when they enter the office, how they're spoken to face to face as well. It, it's uh, I can almost hear listeners um, kind of going shaking their heads and wow, that's that's kind of crazy. But in my mind, it's kind of refreshing um, because I think the, most of the, the you know the Western world has just been fooled into this sense that we can create any service. We can just, you know, rely on all these services and you're actually creating a more of an equitable service with these restrictions. Um, how does the conversation of design equity and enter the conversations here, or is it just a given that this is something you need to do um, across the board? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say we have specific conversations. It's not like we set up a team call, teams call and say, right, okay, um, how are we going to cater for the other side? Right. How are we going to cater for the manual side? It is, as you've said, a consideration that's kind of baked in. Yeah. Um, Culturally. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think from a South African perspective, and obviously I've, I've been here for quite some time, but I didn't grow up here, the sense of community here, the sense of helping each other out here is very much more mature i would say mm. you, can, you can say that than 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 you know europe Modern. whereby it is based more around the individual yeah. this is you know and also it's more about the collective so people will assist each other here um people will do stuff where they can for their neighbors mm. and so that kind of community thinking mm. is kind of baked in because those that are working as designers here are thinking like that anyway because that's what you're encouraged to do Mm -hmm. um so the the community aspect of what does that mean again and go back to the the average person on the street um that has these challenges that has the society difficulties that don't have the money that you know other people do Mm -hmm. have 
is is a is a consideration at all points. Yeah. It's it's crazy because um over the last number of years, I mentioned Jerry McGovern here. So this is the second time I had tip to Jerry McGovern. Jerry McGovern um has a podcast on this estate city called Worldwide Waste, and he wrote a book about worldwide waste and on how data is and digital is destroying the planet and, and the contributing factors to, to the global warming. Um and we just released an episode the other day about the weight of data. Um and I'm really interested in the, the the mindset that that has been adopted in South Africa, as we just identified as culturally, um, that's more than what mindset that we would need to see happening in the Western world in terms of more consideration about how we design services to be more data sensitive, especially if we're trying to reduce our, our, our emissions or carbon emissions or reliance on on data as being the the, the contributing factor for for data transfer, in terms of knowledge transfer as well as just actual digital data. It's it's like these restrictions have um, have created a new set of principles that I, I I wish we could talk about a little bit more. Um, in terms of the 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 diverse um, kind of customer base that you have in South Africa, obviously you know many people will be aware of the the cultural uh, societal problems that have happened in South Africa over the last fifty to hundred years. How does this um, how does this change how you approach design projects uh, within your agency? How do you design for mm. equity, like to make sure that we're not just targeting the rich? Because there's a huge gap, my understanding, in Johannesburg between the rich and the poor. Yeah, that's 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 very true. I mean, I think we have the large one of the largest gaps in the world between mm. the average and the and the super rich. Um, what we tend to do, and I'd say if I'm looking at the majority of our clients or projects, of course, sometimes we do projects specifically for high net worth individuals. Um, yeah. Everybody everybody does. And then they, they kind of have their own separate requirements, separate briefing, um, separate sort of understanding of that business challenge. Mm-hmm. But the majority of our, our, our projects are focused on the mass market, are focused on the everyday worker and the laborer and those that um, are at the lower end because that's actually where to me the insights and the the innovation and the the, the the thinking really lies that's where all the growth opportunities exist um, and also that's potentially for for our clients where the majority of their um, sort of business impact is going to come from so yeah. the majority of our projects are for for those individuals that are less well off. Yeah. And you mean like for FMCG kind of clients? Um, yeah. More or less um, anything that we're not doing from an internal employee experience. Yeah. Yes. So if we're doing, um, I'm just thinking of a retail client that I worked on recently. Um, we did, we looked at how we could improve one of their um sort of financial functions with interactions um, on the cashiers. So we were actually doing a lot of research around the cashier interactions and understanding from the cashiers the kind of questions and the kind of um, customers that are coming through the door and the challenges that they have to then build a better experience for the employees on that interface to enable them to serve customers faster. Interesting. So... I think an, an awful lot of the time when we think about service design and we think about any of the interaction design projects that we might typically think of, 
am I right to say that there's um, there's more work to be done in the backstage of the the services to to ensure that that stuff can actually occur and the processes need to be refined to enable that as opposed to just throwing technology at the problem? Yeah, I, I mean, I think specifically, and I can only speak for our sort of South African market, we, we've got um, the technology, you know, is typically obviously needs overhauling and, and updating, but that's the same everywhere you go. I mean, obviously everything gets a bit older and then they need to, it needs to be replaced. What I think we can do more of is getting out and meeting the people that are actually at the, you know, at the front line or at the coalface of those experiences. So that whether that is a consultant in a call centre, whether that is, you know, um, a bank uh, branch teller, whether that's um, someone in a in a in a in a, call, um, a mobile phone shop, we need to do more of that. So. And again, that we need to enable our employees um, in those organisations to be able to have the confidence to do it. Um, typically, there's always a you know a reason why we never quite get to speak to the end user or never quite get to speak to the customer because there's rules and there's processes or there's other work to be done that's more important or a priority. So yes, I'd say business impact comes from systems design process change. Um, and typically looking at those kind of key moments that we can really have an impact on. And it's those small interactions, those small micro interactions that actually um, I feel is where the innovation actually lies. Difficult to find, difficult to get to, but when you get those, um, then we can make some real, affect some real change. Yeah, absolutely. So where are the challenges then for the next um say couple of years for you mm. and the work that you're going to be doing mm. uh, in, in your studio like wh where do you see it going you know i think there's a thought that i had actually this morning when i was considering what we might be talking about and i'm sort of really happy yeah. with the way where our conversation's gone but i think specifically in the last few years and we all understand all the challenges um socially and financially as well um I think we've got to a point where we're really focusing on delivering work that works, which is great and useful. Um, but what we've sort of lost focus on is the work as designers that are, is remembered. So what work are we doing that is memorable? Um, mm. So that kind of unexpected interactions, the unexpected experiences that we can actually give people that really makes their day. Um, it's actually a conversation I was having with someone um, this morning um, and I feel like we've lost that art of playfulness actually um, in the mm. work that we do and that to me is how we sort of how we where we need to be aiming for that should be our north star in a, in a way which is yes we can all deliver great work yes we can all deliver work that works and technology that puts it all together and deliver features and functions and you know a tick in the box but where is the playfulness where is the stuff that's remembered um, and how can design actually get back to that sort of lost art that I think and I was also sort of reminiscing back when I was a, a student and I sort of devour those books that had those kind of visual puns and the unintended consequences and the great copywriting and and all of that I just feel like we've lost that direction and that's what i'd like to see design doing next 
So are you referring to more of the the employee experience or more of the, the end customer experience? Um, both. I don't think you can have a great end customer experience without having a first starting with a great employee experience. So across the board. Yeah. So in terms of the, the challenges for that, um, what, what do you feel is holding that back at the moment? Um, I think there's, if I had to say, I think, austerity measures and that's you know all the way down from the top whether that's government or um Mm -hmm. sort of i suppose managing organizations or bodies where um there's quite a lot of restrictions quite a lot of regulation obviously all for the right reasons you know if we look at Mm -hmm. compliance and ethics and you know all the good stuff that we do need to make sure that we're protecting our employees and and customers with but I think it's become so regimented that we are losing the creativity in those interactions, in those experiences and in, that, in those services. And I think that um, it's something if we go back to what Song is trying to do in terms of you know, the blend of creativity through those services from marketing, from advertising, um, all the way through to the build development and the, the data that's produced and how we use those insights, it's that playfulness that I think that we're losing and that's what I'd like to see more of you'd like to see more of um that's probably one for another episode but I'd love to invite you back to talk a little bit more around that when we've fleshed that conversation out a little bit more because it's something that's close to my own heart um but Emma look we're, we're coming towards the end of the time here um with you like if people want to reach out to Emma Carpenter, uh, what's the best way to do it? Like, do you, uh, I know you're on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I've been on it this morning, so I know you're there. But what are the social media um, channels are you on? Um, so actually, Jerry, I prefer LinkedIn. I'm one of those um, old school people that actually prefer to just manage one or two key things well than trying to be everywhere yeah. at once. Fair enough. So I, I'll put a link to your um, LinkedIn on uh, in the show notes here for people to reach out and get in touch because i'm sure there's there's plenty more um conversations we can have because uh it was really interesting to get the perspective on what it was like designing uh within the african continent so thanks so much for your time emma thanks so much for your openness as well and, and sharing all that information thank you jerry and there you go folks i hope you enjoyed that episode and if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more why not visit this is hcd.com where you can learn more about what we we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there. Thanks again for listening.